Welcome to Beyond Blathers, the podcast where we dive deeper into the insects, fish, and fossils you can find in Animal Crossing New Horizons. I'm Sophia Osborne. And I'm Olivia DeBercier. And if you want to support the show, check out our merch store over on Etsy at etsy.com slash shop slash beyondblathers. Also, Olivia is currently open to commissions for really cute custom needle felted pet portraits and pins, as well as custom illustrations. So if you've been wanting your own art by Olivia for yourself or to give us gifts for the holiday season, make sure to go check out the highlight on our Instagram at Beyond Blathers. So it is Halloween week. So this week we're bringing you a very spooky animal, one that hunts only at night with freaky alien jaws and that lurks in dark spaces and crevices of stone and that oozes slime and has a toxic bite. And quite frankly, just isn't very pretty. And it's the moray eels, so it's going to be a fun episode. Also, I realized in looking for a spooky animal for today, most of the animals we cover in the show could probably be considered like Halloween animals. They're just, so many of them are like from the deep ocean or they're creepy and crawly. I just thought that was kind of interesting. Like for a very wholesome like Animal Crossing podcast, cover a lot of kind of creepy animals. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I think it kind of connects to that whole, like, idea of kind of cryptozoology. Like, if you really think about it, most animals are, like, really, really weird. And, like, if you didn't (laughs) know that they were real, you would think that they were fake or that they're, you know, quote unquote monsters or whatever. Yeah, this I think the moray eel really fits into that category of quote unquote monster. (laughs) Awesome. Well, I'm really excited to talk about the moray and like, it's interesting too, because if you haven't listened to our ribbon eel episode, that was like one of our original episodes where I talked about eel reproduction, because basically we just like do not know how eels reproduce. European eels. Which is wild. Yeah, European eels. So I just had a fun time talking about that. But then (laughs) I was like... I don't know why I was under the impression that the ribbon eel was the only eel in the game. Like, I guess I had caught one and I've never caught a moray eel. Yeah, they're really rare to catch. I have also not caught one. Yeah, that's interesting. Well, I'm excited to learn more. But first, let's see what Blathers has to say about the moray. So if you bring a moray eel to Blathers, he'll say, Despite its rather frightening features, the moray eel is really a very cowardly fish. It lives its life hiding in caves and will only attack if you're looking for a fight. You've heard of a bark that is worse than the bite? Well, the moray eel has a face that's worse than its fight. Yeah, Blathers, that's a really good point here. The moray eel gets a lot of hate for having a pretty nasty bite. But I should start off by saying that like most animals, the moray doesn't really want to get close enough to a potential predator to bite it unless it feels like it's in really immediate threat. Like, if it doesn't bite you, it's going to die anyway. Apparently, like, the most common way to get bit by a moray is when scuba divers, for instance, put their hand on a ledge, and accidentally it's right in front of an eel burrow, and the eel freaks out and bites them. And the bites are pretty nasty. They can cause infection due to toxic bacteria. And as you can probably tell if you look at a picture of an eel, they have very long, sharp teeth, that are used for capturing prey and their bite is so strong that if like often they're very unwilling to let go and some divers have had to like decapitate them to get themselves out of their jaws. 
which is just like the most unpleasant, unpleasant sounding thing ever. Yeah, that is, there's a lot of things that are like terrifying to me about scuba diving. And that is definitely one of them. (laughs) Yeah, like I would imagine as a diver, you'd have to be very careful about where you are stepping or putting your hand or anything like that. Yeah. And so like taxonomically, moray eels are a fish, right? Yeah. So they look very snake-like, but they do have fins technically. So their dorsal fin has just extended from the back of their head and it's attached to the caudal and anal fins, which would normally be close to their tail, uh, basically along their back. And most morays don't have the fins on the sides and bottoms of their bodies like other fish. Others do. And they also have more vertebrae than most fish, which adds to that snake-like appearance. For every new vertebrae in their neck, they add a vertebrae at the tail. And this is unlike other famously like long animals, like the giraffe, which has a long neck, but its neck doesn't have more vertebrae. They're just longer and stretched. So the eel is a little bit unique in this regard. So moray eels are part of the order Anguilliformes, which are ray-finned fish. This group consists of all the true eels. And some fish that are dubbed eel aren't actually in this order, like the electric eel and the spiny eels, which I think is worth mentioning. Within order Anguilliformes, there's about 19 families, one of which is the family Moraenidae, the Morays. And I wanted to take this chance to remind our listeners of what some of these taxonomic terms are, because they can be kind of weird sometimes. So yeah, we just haven't done it in a while. So in taxonomy, we like to go from bigger groups to smaller groups. And in the case uh, just before, I was talking about an order, which is a really big group. That goes down to family and then to genus, which is... um, Genera is its plural. And then you get to species. So if you looked at the Latin name for an animal, so take us for example, Homo sapien. Homo is the genus name and sapien is our species name. So it's kind of like an arbitrary way for humans to classify evolutionary relatedness between species. So I just wanted to quickly review that. In the case of moray eels, we have 15 genera, so genuses, and over 200 species. So it's the most species-rich group of all of the families within the eel, the eel order and Williformes. And they're all really, really diverse. So among those species, most will look very chunky. But the largest of all the moray eels is the giant moray, which can get up to eight feet long or 2.4 meters. And it can weigh 60 pounds. It's like the thickness of an adult man's leg, which is a crazy thing to think about. And then the longest moray is the slender giant moray, which is 12.9 feet long or 3.9 meters. Crazy, crazy long. But then they can get all the way down to the smallest moray, and that is the Snyder's moray, which is only 11.5 centimeters long. So much, much smaller. Morays can come in a wide variety of colors from drab browns and greens to bright yellow and even like white or black spots or stripes. Uh, Some of them are red and orange, And many of them have very brightly colored mouths, and that's partially to scare away predators. It's very worth Googling moray eel species because Google will give you all these like thumbnails of different moray eel species, and it's really fun to like look through all of them. So that's my recommendation if you're bored and looking to procrastinate. Over 12 feet long is so long. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Think about that. (laughs) That's like, do not want to think about it. Oh my gosh, like two six foot tall people lying end to end. 
that's a large animal. <laughs> that's like yeah. a very like sea monstery animal. Very sea monstery. And so also talking about the different species, isn't the ribbon eel that I was saying that we covered earlier, isn't that also a moray eel or am I misremembering that? No, it totally is. It is It is a moray eel. It looks totally different from all the others. And as far as I can tell, there don't seem to be any other eels that look like moray eels that look quite as spectacular as the ribbon eel. So I'm glad we did a separate episode on it because it's just very, very cool. Yeah, it's kind of funny. It's the way that Animal Crossing does this where it'll be like, here's just like a spider. And then it'll be like, here's a specific type of spider. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, oh, okay. Yeah, it makes it a little bit, it's a little bit arbitrary, but I get it. Yeah. But yeah, definitely go listen to the Ribbon Eel episode if you haven't, because that was a fun one. But yeah, so where do you find moray eels? I feel like, I don't know why I think of them as like, are there ones that would live off the coast here in in like Canada? I tried to Google that. And honestly, like I had a hard time finding out specific things about it. But I'm going to do it again here. Canada, moray eel. Okay, I think BC has wolf eels. Uh, right. To my knowledge, yeah, and I think I'm pretty sure wolf eels are a different, are a different group. Yeah, so wolf eels are not; they're not even in the eel order. They're not in in that whole group, which is oh. interesting. So I know, like, I was thinking about that too. Like, I remember we used to have like table, like coffee table books with species of BC waters, and wolf eels were in it, and they look really freaky. But uh, yeah, they're a totally different animal which is really cool. Okay, good to know. Yeah, but in, t- in general, like moray eels are going to be found in like tropical and subtropical waters worldwide. Many of them can be found in pretty shallow waters, but then others can live all the way to the edge of continental shelves, which is very, very deep. And morays tend to be found in crevices, in stones and corals, so often in coral reefs. Other moray eels will burrow into the sand. And for these eels, to help make the walls of their burrow more permanent and stable, they'll secrete a really thick mucus to cover the edges of the burrow and serve as cement. All morays, whether they live in sand burrows or not, have this very thick mucus membrane. And in some cases, the mucus is toxic. While this might not be a deterrent to predators, given that these moray eels have all these other defenses like the sharp teeth and kind of aggressive attitudes. It's more likely that the toxic mucus is there to prevent uh, parasites from latching onto them. It's also worth noting that moray eels don't have a protective coating of scales like other fish, so they have to have something there to protect them. Often, they like to rest in their burrows with only their heads visible. Their mouths are often agape and gasping, and this appearance resembles a bit like a dog panting. It's actually them pushing water through their mouths and into their gills. It's how they breathe. But it does look a bit odd. They don't have gills like you'd expect. The gill opening is just two round holes on the sides of their heads because they tend to rest sedentary a lot of the time, so they don't need to be pushing a lot of water through their bodies. They don't need to be breathing a lot. Yeah, I feel like it's a very like iconic and creepy image of like them hiding with their mouths open. <laughs> yeah, like you'll see in the coral reef documentaries, there's always a shot of the eel just like ominously staring out from like some rock crevice. Yeah, they look like they're like silently screaming kind of. Oh god. 
<laughs> never thought of it that way. That's really dark. <laughs> I don't know. I wouldn't want to mess with them, but are there things that do? Like, do they have predators? They do have a few. So as far as I could read, there's a type of fish called a grouper. They might eat them as well as sea snakes and barracudas. But uh, in general, moray eels are known as an important apex predator in coral reefs. Uh, so there's not not really a lot that would go after them. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that makes sense. And what do moray eels themselves eat? Moray eels will either eat hard-shelled prey like mollusks or crustaceans, or they'll eat fish and other soft-bodied prey. Most of the time, they hunt at night using their keen sense of smell. Now, the morays that like to eat the hard-shelled prey, they'll often have blunt teeth made for crushing, while the ones that eat slippery fish will have much longer, sharper teeth. But what we need to get into now is one of the coolest part of eels, in my opinion. What's amazing about their teeth is that they don't have just that prominent first row of teeth that are visible in pictures and videos of eels. They also have a hidden second set of jaws called pharyngeal jaws. And these are like hardcore Ridley Scott alien jaws. And the mores are the only animal on the planet that we know of that have something like this. So how do these eel jaws work? How do they get them? Basically, when a moray eel wants to catch prey from the safety of its burrow, it faces a problem. See, most fish will catch their prey by sucking prey into their mouths. This would be great if the moray was eating smaller prey or if it was like feeding anywhere other than its like tight little burrow. The problem is that sucking motion that most other fish do requires the fish to expand their heads. And for the moray eel, which is in a tight space, this is kind of difficult to do. Instead, what they do is they will catch their prey, and once they're ready to swallow, their second set of jaws, which are sitting way back in their throat, are going to extend up into their mouth, latch onto the prey, and these jaws will then retract into their throat, bringing the prey down with it. And because these jaws have backward-pointing teeth, it makes it even harder for the prey to squirm out and escape. Backward-pointing teeth should be illegal. Like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> it seems like a cheat. Uh, lots of snakes have that, too, the backward-pointing teeth. Wow. I mean, it makes sense, but you just read... This is what I'm talking about. Like, you read something like that, and you're like, there's no way that, that these weren't, like, written up by Stephen King or something. Like, <laughs> <laughs> how did evolution create this? <laughs> What's super funny about it, too, is, like, I was reading, and I don't think the creators of Alien knew about this. Like, it seems like it's a more or less recent discovery. Like, there was a paper way back in the 70s that sort of described this but didn't get a lot of attention. People didn't really go into it that much. So, like, yeah, it, it really is, like, a fictional thing that actually exists, you know? It's terrifying. Yeah. Like, I only saw Alien for the first time last Halloween, and I was really distracted by Sigourney Weaver's, like, hair, curly hair goals, but also, like... The whole premise of the alien's extra set of jaws really fascinated me because they reminded me of dragonfly jaws. Like dragonfly larvae have this like extra set of jaws. Well, they're not really jaws, but like an appendage, a mouth part, uh, if you will, that will like shoot out and grab things like it does in, in Alien. Anyway, it was just like very uncannily similar to the movie. Yeah, I I haven't seen Alien yet, but maybe, I mean, Halloween's coming up. Maybe it's time for me to watch it. I really liked it. I'm not a big horror movie, suspense movie kind of person, but that one was like, I think it's it's because I 
I get really annoyed with movies when they use too many special effects that aren't like practical effects. And so I liked Alien because it was all practical effects. And that's both like scarier, but also not scarier. <laughs> like, right. I don't know how to describe it. It's, I, I really like it. It was a good one. Anyway, go, getting back to the moray uh, and, and to like <laughs> yeah. the crazy moray jaws. Sorry, I was just like thinking about Alien. <laughs> It's like a long pause. <laughs> We're just thinking about Alien. Um, yeah, so with the mores, this whole second jaw thing is great too because they're able to catch way bigger prey than most fish because that way they can just sort of like open their entire mouth to grasp food. Another reason most fish use the suction capture prey is because if you're swimming after food and you try to snap forward to catch it, usually the force of the water being pushed away from the moving body of the fish also pushes away the food. But with the moray, their mouth is shaped just right to allow water to spill out the sides of their mouth and reduce that wave in front of their head that could push their prey away. Another benefit to this is that it actually allows them to feed on land. So a whole bunch of researchers figured this out by training eels to come up onto a small platform near the water to be fed pieces of fish. Unlike a fish that would require water to suck up their food, Eels can swallow prey with these pharyngeal jaws without being submerged. And because of that thick mucus layer on their skin that I mentioned before, they dry out much slower than other fish when they're out of water. And also they're super chunky. So unlike other fish that are pretty thin and laterally compressed, eels aren't going to like topple over when they're out of water. So it's a a real advantage if there's prey like a little bit on land that they want to get. In a New York Times article I was reading about this research, one woman named Lana Sinapayen from the Caribbean island of Martinique said, quote, local fishermen often caught marais by placing squid on the shore and waiting for the eels to arrive. You only need a solid stick to take your pick. So I thought that was kind of cool. That's so interesting. I mean, that sounds sort of horror movie in its own right of just like this kind of a quote-unquote monster not being confined to the ocean and still being able to like yeah. come up and get you or something. Not to demonize them at all. It's okay. It's the Halloween episode. So we yeah. Can. You're like on a beach sunbathing and like a, a eel comes and eats your toe. Then you have to decapitate I'm sure that would never it. happen. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, we're not we're not saying this is fact, but just if no. we were making the eel horror movie, this is what would happen. Yeah. Like Sharknado but with eels. <laughs> Eelnado. Eelnado. <laughs> so, do they usually live alone or are they like in packs or something? They do usually live alone, although I do like the idea of an eel pack. They have been noted to hunt with another type of fish, though, which is really, really cool. They will sometimes hunt with a fish called the coral grouper. Basically, a grouper will come down to a moray in its den and it'll like shake its head as a signal that it wants to go hunting. And then what the groupers do is they try to attack fish from the upper parts of the water, which then flushes all these fish down towards the moray. So this way, the moray can catch fish easily and then flush fish from the corals back up towards the groupers. So it's a really awesome cooperative hunting tactic. And what's cool about it too is like, it seems like these mores, because they usually hunt at night in this case, will sometimes come out during the day to do this. And it, it's awesome because it benefits both, both species. And it's amazing because this is an intentional behavior. And it's quite rare to see this kind of cooperative hunting between species in nature. Like it's not 
yeah, it's just not that common. So it's cool to see two species of fish of all things doing this. That's cool. And and you said before that groupers sometimes are predators of mores, right? Yeah. So that's interesting. I feel like maybe that's a pretty like, I don't know. There's lots of species of moray all over the world. So I guess yeah. in this case, they're not that worried about it. But before we end this episode, I wanted to share kind of an interesting historical tidbit I found about ancient Romans and eels. Apparently, the Romans were really into their eels. They were kind of a status symbol. So they kept these Mediterranean moray eels in their lavish fish ponds on their estates. These fish ponds were largely to provide fresh fish for food. But according to reports, many of these fish were adored by their owners. A man named Gaius Herius provided 6,000 bread moray eels to Caesar as a banquet gift. Another wealthy eel owner is said to have weeped at the death of his favorite eel, despite not having cried at the funerals of his past three wives. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I This may have been like an insult thrown at him by another eel competitor, but I just thought it was funny regardless. In two cases, owners were said to have adorned their eels with earrings and necklaces and even trained some of them to come when called, like they trained them to recognize their names. And in some reports, Vidius Polio, the son of a liberator, who was particularly cruel to his slaves, would throw slaves who stepped out of line into his pool filled with eels as a punishment. And to darken this history further, it was said eel meat tasted best when fattened on human flesh. So some very gross and bizarre little facts here. But I just thought that was really interesting that the ancient Romans had such a like, I don't know, bond like with eels or like had such a, like eels had such a significant role in their societies. Yeah, I'm like screaming at the idea of an eel dressed in earrings and a necklace. <laughs> and then what? fed human for flesh. Like, fed humans. <laughs> That is dark. Uh, it is this really is like dark. A not safe for work episode. Yeah, this is this is pretty gross. But I also do like the idea of like of <laughs> an eel with earrings. Yeah, they were saying they were like this would have had to be a Mediterranean eel because they have fins. Actually, I can't remember. I, I'm pretty sure it's Mediterranean eels because they have like little side fins. Otherwise, there's like nothing to attach them to. Uh, yeah, I was like, where would you put the? Earrings? Where would you put the earrings? They don't have ears. <laughs> oh, wow. so good. Yeah. Um. But like, despite this whole thing about them being eaten, like, I have to put a asterisk on this whole episode. Like, don't eat moray eels unless you know what you're doing, because they are known to be pretty toxic due to their ability to cause something called ciguatera poisoning. Uh, this poisoning is caused by the presence of microalgae found on dead corals. So if fish are feeding on these corals, or in this case, if an eel eats a fish that fed on these corals, the bacterial microalgae can build up in their system and it can cause considerable discomfort to your gut or even death if you end up eating one of these contaminated eels. So while there are certainly people who know how to cook and eat moray eels, it's probably a good idea to uh, be careful and maybe not eat this particular type of seafood. Yeah, that makes sense. Like, I do love eel sushi and stuff like that, but I'm sure it's a different type of eel. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it definitely would be. So yeah, that's the moray eel. It's very slippery and a bit freaky looking, and you're probably right to appreciate it from a distance, but it is an unbelievably cool animal and perfect for Halloween. Yeah, well, happy Halloween, everyone. Hope you have a really good 
Hala weekend. <laughs> and thank you so much, Olivia. This was just very spooky and really got me in the spirit. So don't forget to check out our merch store at etsy.com slash shop slash beyond blathers. And also, if you're interested in a commission from Olivia, hit her up. Yeah, let me know. And follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Beyond Blathers. Tune in next week to learn more about the insects, fish, and fossils you can find in Animal Crossing New Horizons. Happy Halloween! Happy Halloween! <laughs>